Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There'd be a lot of poop in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a six-foot alligator go swing into the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big mm-hmm. abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the You're flying over the Atlantic Ocean in your puddle jumper. The skies are clear and sunny. Out of nowhere, it appears a thunderstorm is whipping up in front of you. But this is no stranger to these weird weather phenomena. As you fly through, you look at your altimeter. It's still a normal reading. The last thing you see is the ocean coming towards your windshield as you crash and disappear into the triangle. Welcome back to the season finale. I am the great and powerful Mr. E. And I am the infamous J. And this is all about the Devil's Triangle, part three, baby. The Devil's? The Devil's Triangle. What else would you call it? Bermuda. Bahamas, come on, pretty mama. Well, that's along for a triangle name. (laughs) Just Bermuda is what I call it. Every time you say it, it's like I want to start singing it. It's just habit. The, the Beach Boys pre-programmed us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Beach Boys have some nefarious roots anyways. What? Mr. Manson? Mm-hmm. Well, no. Mr. Manson followed the Beach Boys, not the other way around. Oh. So what did the Beach Boys know? Mmm. No. So we're going to start in with planes messing around. So once again, uh, if you guys remember from part one and part two, we talked about like a lot of these encounters we may cover several times during this because they kind of fit into different pieces of this mystery. Right. So we'll talk about them all in like these little different segments. No stone unturned. No piece of coral is unturned in this episode. So I have another list of specifically flights that have messed up or gone missing in the Bermuda Triangle. Then I have two stories with uh, with actual written out encounters in the triangle itself. Okay. So, do you have anything to say before we get rock and rolling into this? No, I'm ready for it. Oh, we have some big news, though. Shouldn't you tell them? No, big news. You kind of what? There's a lot. Of, always big news. We're, what? Five hundred. Oh, oh yeah. As we're listening, well, recording. As we're recording. recording. Sorry. As you're listening, we're announcing now that we we just crossed the five hundred thousand downloads uh, benchmark or milestone. So, yeah. Yeah. You got a little like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that button. Well, let me see. Uh, uh, if not, uh, I'll just do it. Yeah, do it again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Calm down. Calm down. Come on, out of the studio yeah, now. Come, come on. on, get out of here. Guys, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. There we go. Okay, good. No, it's amazing. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank like, you. It's awesome. Half a million times people have listened to our show. And here we are in the season three finale. finale. Part three. Three. Part three. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. You ready to get into it? Oh, yeah. And like I said, I'm hopping around with all these dates and stuff like that. This is the triangle literally has so much stuff. It's hard for me to keep straight. <laughs> literally, it took like three weeks to do this script. So like some of the stuff I've forgotten that I even put in here. Well, good. So it's going to be a fun oh, it's, trip it's for It's a mystery to me, too. Don't yeah. worry. Uh, we're going to start on January 30th, 1948. The Star Tiger left St. Maria uh, Oriza with 25 passengers on board. It was meant to arrive in Bermuda at 5 a.m., but at some point just before its arrival, the radio operator lost contact with the pilot. Hours later, the plane had disappeared completely out of sight. A fleet of 26 aircraft were sent out to search for the Star Tiger, but it was never found. Mm. So this is the one that he, like they were talking. They were actively talking to air traffic control. And then it just ceased. And it just everything stopped. Okay. They weren't reporting any problems, any mystery. Like it was they weren't saying, hey, we're having some engine trouble. And then they disappeared. Right. It was just like, yep, I'm coming to one time. Or yeah, it'd be like, you know, the pilots, how they have the pilot voice. Mm, we're coming into a, a smooth uh Altitude, you know, no turbulence. Uh, Is that a tentacle? Sunshine, shining on our left, and then a, a giant tentacle on the... And then it cuts it. out. What if I told you that wasn't even the only disappearance that year? I wouldn't be shocked. At, at this point... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a triangle. Uh, during the same year of the Star Tiger's mysterious disappearance, Douglas Dakota's DC-3 flight took off from Puerto Rico, heading to Miami, Florida. 20 minutes before landing... The flight disappeared from radar and was never heard from again. Oh, wait, how many minutes before landing? 25. Oh, so they were right there. They were right there. Uh, no, sorry, 20 minutes. 20 even, minutes. Even closer. Uh, yeah. Two more cases very similar to this have occurred since. Okay. Heading into Miami. Wow. Like, just randomly, like, they'll be getting, like, talking about landing, prepare, like, preparations and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and then just disappear. He already gave the announcement to buckle back up your seatbelts. Yeah, know. that's so their corpses could be attached to the plane at the bottom of the ocean. Dang. Landing gear was already down. Yeah. Oh, I hope not. 25 minutes out? Uh, you never know. But no, so that's another just weird, like, they're talking to them. They're actively talking to them. And then, boom. and then yeah, no, no reports of, like, because a lot of these, like, some of them, like, we'll get to in a minute, are talking to Radio Tower and having a weird phenomenon happen. Hmm. Whatever's happened to these planes is very sudden. Right, like a lightning strike. Even more sudden, because planes get hit by lightning all the time. Well, yeah, but nothing's really more sudden than a lightning strike. Well, because, no, when planes get hit by lightning, they fall for a while. Yeah, but in this area, they get hit by lightning and they transport to another dimension. Did I ever tell you my lightning story with the ocean? Uh, I don't think so. So, once again, I was a fishery biologist. I did electrofish surveys. So, like, you can't shock salt water because it's too conductive. Okay. It carries the current too well, so it spreads out. Me and Dad are facing the ocean, and we're like, it's like kind of stormy, but not really. Like kind of rainy, but no, like no thunder, nothing like that. And we're fishing, and we're like, it's weird. I've never seen lightning hit saltwater because Florida has tons and tons and tons of thunderstorms. Right. Yeah. And it's like we've seen them hit all the other water, never seen them hit pure saltwater. And me and Dad are talking like, man, it's super conductive. Like it should, you know, it probably should hit it kind of often. Yeah. And, like, two minutes after that, this giant bolt, like, maybe three, four yards out, 
slams the water. We go deaf for a second. And it was crazy because it had black smoke coming out of the ocean. Oh, wow. And we looked it up. It was from all the salt that burned. Wow. Huh. So, yeah. So, you can't hit the ocean. Ask a stupid question and you get a stupid answer. I guess so. Lightning does hit the ocean. No, sorry. Ready for the next one? Yeah. October 30th, 1954. Flight 441 took off with 42 passengers making their way to Lagius on the Orzo Islands. The plane was about 400 miles off the coast. Uh, when it contact, when contact with the plane was lost, Flight 441 never arrived in its destination and they disappeared without a trace. So this is another one where they're talking and they disappear off radar. It's really weird that it's like some people think it's like crashing in the ocean. Yeah. But it's even kind of stranger. It's like they literally disappear from reality for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then, then sometimes these planes are found, sometimes they're not. I don't think any of this list are found. But, you know, they do find wreckages, like we talked about in part one. Like, they literally found, like, a debris field of the plane before. Oh, really? Okay. So it's like it, it, it did explode or something. Or, like, time skips or, like, little, like, parallel shifts and then, like, goes from being 2,900 feet in the air to being 12 feet under the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Going the same Floating. speed. Yeah. Oh. So just vaporite, like, hmm. like a bullet hitting the water. Hmm. So they did find some wreckages. Oh yeah, not with these, but not with these ones. Okay, that's weird. How this one's almost like four one one, but it's four four one, but eerily close. Synchronicities. Next one on my list. Okay, December fifth, nineteen forty five. Five ill-fated Avenger bomber planes disappeared without a trace. We've talked about this one while on a training mission. Frequency communicate or frequent communications had taken place between the the trainees and their flight leader, Charles Taylor. During this mission, to make the situation even weirder, the five rescue planes sent after them also disappeared. Oh, so we okay. talked about that part one. Yes, that's right. That it's all these military planes disappeared in a training mission. Bombers yeah. disappeared, and then the five planes they sent out to find them disappeared. Yeah, not good. So that's what we talked about. They said like Charles was like having problems with his wife and was depressed and led them all into the ocean. Yeah, but that doesn't explain the, the search party. Team. Yeah, unless he somehow. It commanded them too, or a giant living island rose up and ate them. Ooh, tsunami wave. Mm. While flying over the Bermuda Triangle in 1970, American pilot Bruce Gurner, or sorry, Gurnan, Gurnan, experienced something that he quest- quite couldn't logically explain. He was flying. He flew through the mysterious donut-shaped hole in the swirling clouds. Wow. We'll talk more about Bruce here in a minute. Okay, so obviously he lived, I guess, right? Maybe. Don't worry. We'll talk more about Bruce here in a minute. Okay. Just put a pin in that. Bruce, donut hole. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie Gordon was flying home after spending some time with her daughter in Florida as she expected something or experienced something very strange. While flying over the open ocean at night, she suddenly flew through a thick bed of fog. Which felt or which left her flying in pitch darkness. She claimed not to be able to navigate herself, and her plane instruments went haywire. Haywire, and luckily she flew through. Like she flew through and was fine after. Okay. She hit this patch of clouds or fog, and all of her instruments went haywire. She couldn't tell where she was. She couldn't really fly her own plane, and after she got out of it, she was fine. Oh wow! Okay, that's odd. Is it? Hold on to that. Uh, okay, okay. So I got a couple thoughts about that. Mm, 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 mm. Or should we go in that now or just 
No, like, believe me, I have a whole section about the mysterious fog. Let me, let me start making my list because there's already two things now. 11 minutes into this yeah. and we're making notes. Okay, ready. You got your fog? Yeah. Okay. On March 12, 2009, passengers aboard a flight spotted strange lights in the sky over the vortex in the sea. A vortex? Yeah, so like a... Like a, well, like a whirlpool. Yeah. So, okay. The unexplained sighting was even photographed by naval cameras who had claimed the object floating above the water was there for hours before disappearing. Okay. I couldn't find this photo, so I'm not putting it in the show notes because I can't find it. Mm. But it is said to exist. Okay. Yeah, where's it hiding, though? In the back of the Smithsonian? If any of our amazing listeners can find this photo, uh, I'll send it to me and I'll pin it on the Facebook page and Instagram page. And oh, whatnot. okay. Yeah. So our at-home investigators. Yeah, because some of them are a lot better than me. On November 3rd, 1978, Arvin's River Eastern Caribbean Airway plane disappeared from radar just moments before after uh, controllers at the airport in St. Thomas cleared them for landing. The plane was less than two miles from the airport when it disappeared. Mm, that's even closer than 20 minutes. Two miles. It was actively landing when it's, it disappeared. Hmm. That is... Nothing was found. It was like, they literally just talked to him. Yeah, you can land. All right, we're going to start landing. As it was landing, it disappeared from radar. So they never landed. It was either Not over this... land or the water it was over was extremely shallow. What do you mean? I don't understand. When it was going down, when it disappeared? Yeah. It didn't disappear over deep water. Okay. It was either over land or shallow or water. Shallow oh, water. yeah, like beach water. So they would have found it. Right. Yeah, they should have. Just disappeared. Hmm, it was taken. I, I, there's several theories going around already. You know, we're only two hours, a little over two hours into this, you know. Saga. These, these portal kind of things seem to be a real big factor to where yeah. it almost seems like there's like bubbles that these things are hitting. And when they hit them, they disappear. Just gone. Yeah. Sucked into a black hole. And then, okay. I, Hey, I already covered that one. Why is that one on here twice? No reason. <laughs> just talk for a second. Oh, yeah, just talk. Well, I mean, we got quite a few different accounts happening so far. Sorry, I put the same one on the list twice. Yeah? Okay. Now, let's get back to Bruce's encounter. Okay, yes, that, that's where I have my notes started. So I have his full written-out encounter. Okay, okay, here we so go. That's why we saved it. Okay. is uh, it's been It's on all these lists. So this is Bruce Gurner. I think that's what you said. The guy Gurner. that flew through the donut-shaped hole. On the Andros Islands, uh, Bahamas, to the coast of Florida. Okay. Uh, he was in a beach a Beechcraft Berzana. Was the type of plane? Okay. Okay. Bruce had flown through the Bermuda Triangle many times and has done this flight over a dozen times, and he had never experienced anything mysterious. That was until December 4th, 1970. The normal time for his flight from the Bermuda or from the Bahamas to the coast of Florida would have taken one hour, one and a half hours, sorry, approximately. Bruce took off, and as soon as he reached a thousand feet, he saw a small black cloud, which kept growing bigger. Okay, I looked up the plane. It, I, did you just mean b- Bonanza? Beach- it, it, oh yes, Bonanza. Sorry. Okay, Beechcraft Bonanza. I looked it up. It's just a small little like puddle jumper. Yeah, what you'd expect for a little. There are a lot of them in Florida. Okay. Uh, yeah. So once he hit a thousand feet, he saw this small black cloud that kept growing in size. Hmm. Okay. Odd. Shouldn't happen. And remember what we've talked about with other weird phenomena with the color black and what that means for our brains. 
just indistinguishable or you just can't like your mind can't put it into our reality so it paints it this thing maybe we're seeing a fourth dimensional door open could be yeah bruce is an experienced pilot who flew through the clouds and came out from the other side but then he was about eleven thousand five hundred feet what he like, went from a thousand feet. Oh, when he came out, he was eleven thousand. Eleven thousand five hundred feet above the surface of the water. That's what is all. Now was he in the same like area or what? He saw another mysterious black cloud, but this one was massive. Okay. So he went to this little cloud, and then jumped up over ten thousand feet, and then saw another cloud, and then saw another cloud. Uh, there was no way to get around this one. He got, or he got out of the first, or there was no way around it. As he got out of the first one, he took a deep breath and went into the second cloud. It wasn't raining inside the cloud, so Bruce started getting worried, after which Bruce started seeing flashes of white light, almost like lightning, but it wasn't quite lightning. They were so bright that they would light up the entire cloud. Wow, okay. Bruce kept flying for about 30 minutes. He had lost all radio contact. Now the cloud was cylindrical, and it was f- the plane was flying through at the center of it. Uh, it was at least a mile wide. Wow. So he's in this, like, almost like the eye of a hurricane, but except vertical ins- or horizontal instead of vertical. Right, yeah. And it's like a mile around his plane. Like, the cloud has, like, is reacting to his plane. Right, exactly. Or he's just a really good pilot and hit it dead center. Sure. Hit this cloud tube. About a minute later, he saw a light at the end of the tunnel. But as we know, you probably shouldn't go towards that. He kept up his hope and flew straight ahead, determined to get out. But all of a sudden, a baffling thing started to happen. The walls started becoming narrower and narrower, as if they were closing in on his plane. All navigational and electronical instruments started malfunctioning, as if the plane was in control of something or someone else. Hmm. And it was acting like it was in some kind of current, like that in the ocean. Okay. Uh, About 20 seconds later... Bruce busted out of the cloud, and radio turned on, asking him to determine his location. He felt weightless for five seconds. The dispatcher couldn't see his plane on radar. After some time, they could, and told Bruce that he was already above Miami. Oh, okay. So before we continue, let's just recap, because the story gets weirder. Okay. So He goes in this little cloud, this little black cloud. It forms, it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, he's flying very close. Well, he's about to land He's Miami. at a 1,000. Yeah. No, he just took off. Oh, he's on his way out? He's on his way to Miami. Right. So he just took off to get to Miami oh, from okay. the islands. I was thinking he was already about to land there. Okay, no, gotcha. just took off. Okay. That becomes very important here in a minute. Okay. Just took off. Little black cloud at 1,000 feet because he's only 1,000 feet in the air. He's still right. climbing. Yeah, not far. And goes in this little black cloud, and he jumps up to 11,500 feet. Yeah, pretty and high. He immediately hits this other giant black cloud. As he's going through it, this cloud forms like a cylindrical tunnel around him. Mm-hmm. And then he sees these giant... I know he has trouble explaining it, because I, you know, these giant, like, lightning strikes around him that aren't lightning. Right. The thing I'm, I imagine is you ever, like, static charge when it just goes off. It's not like it's not lightning, like but it's just bright. So as he's flying through, he's... uh. He can't. He has no radio contact. His instruments are going insane. Like he has no idea where he's at, how high he is, or anything like that. Okay. And he can't talk to anybody. The second he sees the a- exit, it's almost like the cloud doesn't want him to get out. Right. So it starts like trying to close around him, Indiana Jones style. Yeah, exactly. He bust out. The second he bust out, radio contacts were restored. Uh, dispatch cannot see him on radar for an extended period of time. They're like, we can't find you. 
mm-hmm. we can't find you. We don't know where you're at. They might, and they might not have known where to look because he wasn't in the spot where they anticipated him to be. No, I. They would have found him on radar. Like he had his signal. Oh, okay. Like it would have been anywhere. Any I don't know dot, how that stuff works. Basically, imagine a dot of a plane that, like, they would know. Right, air traffic would know the second a dot that's not supposed to be there shows up. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, they would know very quickly. Right. And then he appears, dead top over Miami. Which is very odd. Let's talk about why it gets more odd. Bruce was astonished. He didn't believe them when they came or when he came out of the clouds. They saw then he saw they were over top of Miami. It had only been forty seven minutes. His plane could not go any faster than one hundred and eighty miles per hour. So it would have been physically impossible for his plane to travel this distance in forty seven minutes. Bruce was shocked. So when he landed safely, they started the investigation. The fuel had, or oh, the fuel too, hadn't been used to its full potential. Bruce later confirmed or uh, confided in many of the professors and scientists, but none of them could give him answers to what he wanted. Mm. Uh, Bruce later w- went on to write a book called "A Fog: A Never Published Theory About the Bermuda Triangle." But on that day, the flight eighty-four sunspot, or sorry, but on that day of the flight, eighty-four sunspots were spotted. And on a solar wind of 440 miles per hour could have had a disturbance in Bruce's plane, but that doesn't explain why it, or why it didn't affect other planes on the planet. I don't understand what the sunspots and solar so, wind has to do with anything. So the sunspots can affect electronic like electronic equipment. What are what exactly are sunspots then? So it's like a spot like the sun releases a big electromagnetic charge and a big energy like radiation and all that kind of stuff. It's like a like, kind of like a burp. Okay. So the burps can be really small. Or really big, and they affect areas on the planet. Like, they've uh, affected all kinds of electronics. So he's saying that this day, though, there was an unusual amount of them. Okay. And that's what some people said was affecting his plane. But he, it didn't make sense to him because he's like, why wasn't it affecting all the other planes in the area? Right, it's just this one. Believe it or not, the Bermuda Triangle is a very traveled place for uh-huh. everybody at home. I, you know, as we talked about, it's in the middle of all these travel destinations. Which is shocking that... Well, I guess that's why there's so many accounts, too. So Bruce believes it was because of an electric fog he was in. Others believe it was dark magic, and the same dark magic that caused the expansion of the universe. Ooh. Or, sorry, dark energy. But dark energy is the theory attempting to explain the unexplainable. Bruce's story is one of the strangest and most baffling stories ever. But just imagine the story of people who disappeared, the, the, the people that disappear have. Uh, before I continue, so just a man, like, so Bruce, I think, so he did this flight in 47 minutes. Yep. Uh, I, uh, did it say how many miles he was going? Let me find out. No, it doesn't, but I believe he was going like 400 miles, 500 miles, and he did it in 47 minutes. Pretty fast. So it was like three or four times faster than it could have been. But his fuel, uh, also agreed with that, that he was only been flying 47 minutes. Right, yeah. So it's almost like he went in a portal. And the same, or this, whatever this thing is, normally if a plane goes in it, I imagine it doesn't come out. Yeah. He was one of the lucky ones that got spit out still, but it was affecting reality around him. What, like as far as? Because he, first off, he went four times farther than he was supposed to. Supposed to be, With that fuel. Right. As in like, let's say he popped in the fourth dimension for a second as this thing was trying to eat him. Gotcha. And he got out. When he got out though, he's over top of his destination. Which is, that's the weirdest part. He actually ended up where he was supposed to be going. Well, yeah, like it, it followed the same trajectory. It's, it's I mean, weird. If we're talking fourth dimensional science, you know, it's might as well be magic. Yeah, it, it pretty much was. 
or is. Mm-hmm. Now, like we've already talked about Flight 19, but we can do it again. There have been many disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle like Flight 19 when flight, you know, the five planes went missing. Yeah. And then, you know, the people that went after them went missing. Right. Uh, till the day, though, their arrangement of the incident happened in 1948, a passenger jet disappeared as a flight heading to Miami from Puerto Rico. While 29 passengers and three crew members on board, the strangest part is the weather was clear throughout. So someone just disappeared off the plane? No, they, the plane disappeared with all these people. Oh, I thought you said a passenger. A passenger plane. Passenger plane. Gotcha. Sorry. Okay. Passenger jet. Sorry. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, experts believe that after 50 miles off the coast of Miami, it could have been hit by very strong winds that threw it off course. Years later, divers found a similar flight but couldn't confirm it due to the lack of details and registration. Mm. In 1948, again, a plane went missing with 25 passengers and six crew members. All these disappearances remain a mystery till this day. We might never know the reason and why they're disappearances. But we do have some theories. So this is this little article's theory. Uh but we do have some theories. 2,000, 2000 ships, 200 aircraft might have gone missing. We may never know what actually caused it, but we'll talk about the theories later. I saved them for the end. Okay. I pulled theories from everywhere. There's tons. And then we'll, have, we'll give them our own. So which what, are the what do you think ones? about this one? The, uh, this whole story, this, this Bruce's story. Oh. It's probably one of the more famous ones, and it's because he lived. Yeah. And why That's it's famous thing. is that the air traffic control confirmed it. The investigators at the airport confirmed it. So there is records of him leaving mm-hmm. Puerto Rico, and there's records of him arriving in Miami. Right. The times, the fuel, like he was only gone for 47 minutes, so he couldn't have stopped and refueled. Right, yeah. I mean, things just don't, they add up. This is The story adds up. Yeah, it's one of the more credible ones because of all the documentation that goes along with it. Right. All these professionals are like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's unexplainable. The only thing that makes sense is if he somehow jumped through space and time. Or a giant tentacle threw him forward and he imagined the whole thing. It could be that. I mean, there's that too. Or what if uh, it's just, it is, was some weather phenomenon. He got stuck in an atmospheric, uh, you know, jet stream that formed this cloud tunnel that shot him through like a cannonball. Now, that could be something, you know, that literally these extremely weird weather phenomenon. That his plane just kind of got picked up like a sideways tornado. Yeah, and shot out. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a mechanic. I don't know if a plane could handle that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, true. Yeah, which because he would have been going. He had been going about 500 miles an hour. Unless like all the space air in the tunnel, all everything just kind of moved as one. So like it had to be like a vacuum. Yeah. at that point, which yeah. would be I Makes think sense. Crazier, they basically be in a, like a hydrogen bomb going off over top of, the, of Miami. I think people that's, that's, would have noticed. That's what all those lights were. Yeah, you know? and then the lights. Yeah, lights is weird. And he tried to describe it. He, uh, I know it's very hard. I've watched his interviews. Everybody, you can watch interviews with him on YouTube and stuff like that. I don't know if he's still alive, but there are some old recording interviews with him. Uh, that it's hard to explain, and I get it. You know, he's it's like me trying to explain the shadow person encounter. Yeah, that it's it's something that. Not the every person you can see, and it's the only time you've ever seen it. And it's like, I guess he's like, you know, he's like, kind of like lightning, but it wasn't. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's hard to explain something that's doesn't really have a another like a corresponding of effect, right. the, a recreatable effect. You'd be like, it looks like this. Something that we're used to in our reality. But it was shriek like lightning, yeah, and glow, 
but it's glow like as bright as the sun. Yeah. Like almost like meteors. You ever uh you ever had like all the lights completely off and you're under a blanket and you and you move your hands through it and you see the static electricity in the dark Mm-mm. like flash. Oh, okay. I've that's kind of what I'm picturing. I don't know why. Hmm. Like you just pull a blanket over your head and then complete dark and you can see the static come see, off. See, I think it was moving slower than electricity though. Hmm. It's a weird thing. It was like living light. Oh, okay. But he didn't say that. That's me. Yeah. But to me, it was like almost like living light moving around him. Okay. Because it was slow. Like when I had the meteorite thing that happened, mm. like that. Like it was a long, slow process, but it was so bright. But it wasn't like making a lot of noise. It wasn't scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's just so odd. So it's an odd experience. It's the amazing part is that he came through the other side and lived to tell the tale. That's and a, I think that I really think that that's what happens to a lot of these planes is is that stuff. They don't is make they, it. They get eaten by whatever this phenomena is. And yeah. I don't mean eaten as in a living entity eating. So, excuse me, eating something. I mean, as in like they get destroyed or taken or whatever by whatever phenomena is happening. They end up where. Yeah. In that tunnel or whatever it is and whatever. And they might not come out the other side. And then, yeah, then there's this whole electronic fog. Yeah. We'll talk about that extensively later. It uh, sounds organic, maybe. I don't know. It's. I think it's a part of... So even ships have experienced it. So the Bermuda Triangle is famous for this black-green fog. So like ships on the water are experiencing yeah. the same thing? Okay. So we'll talk about that okay. in a little bit. Sounds like ghost ship stuff. Hmm. Mm. So I have one more of these big cases for the, uh, the planes. Okay. This is the case of Helen Casco. Costco? It's not Costco. Okay. It's not related. Paul, it's not your relative. It's spelled C-A-S-C-I-O. Okay. C-A-S-C-I-O. Casco? Casco, Caschio. Whatever. I don't, I don't I, know. You don't come here. That scared me. Okay. The dog just barked The dog barked, but it was... It's my dog barking. Yeah, I think that, side. Okay. It just scared me. Uh, sorry, the unnerving incident of Helen Casco. Perhaps one of the strangest incidents is that of Helen in her Cessna 172. She set off for the Tusk Islands in the Bahamas one afternoon. Expecting her arrival, the control tower over Tusk Island was a little surprised to see her plane arriving on time, but not land. Instead, it was contained, or instead, it continued to circle directly overhead. The control tower would attempt to communicate with her, but it seems that uh, Helen couldn't hear them. They could, however, hear her. Mm. So before I move on and read this, she arrived on time. Right. Over the tusk. And she's flying in circles over the airport. Right. And the airports are like, what the hell's happening? And they're trying to radio her. And they cannot get a hold of her. Like as as far as they know, she can't hear them. Right, but they, but can, they can hear her. Right. Do you want me to tell you what she said? I I'm on the edge of my seat. Do you really want me to tell you? Or do you need to skip over it? Just skip over it. Okay. Over the radio, her voice stated, "I must have made a wrong turn. The or that should be the tusk, but there's nothing down there. No airport. No houses." The control tower would send her several signals to her plane, as well as direct communication over the radio. Hmm. All were ignored and more likely never received by Helen. After a short uh, short while longer, the woman's desperate voice asked, 
is there no way out of this? Hmm. So the island can see her. She's over top of the airport. The airport it's actually shining like these big light like lights at yeah. her plane. Yeah. These signal lights, they're radioing to her. They can hear her. And nothing. And she's freaking out saying the tusk should be right here. The tusk should be right here. There's no house. There's no plane. There's no airport. Where am I? Like, there's no way out of this. I must have made a wrong turn. And then the very last thing, you know, is, is there no way out of this? Yeah, that's that's scary. So those from the ground watch uh, the Cessna fly over a thick patch of clouds. Bum, bum, bum. And that was the last anyone saw her plane. Oh, there were no wow. reports of a crash in the area, and several revealed nothing to the incident otherwise. And in this truly bizarre air incident, it's apparent that there was two dimensions were being temporarily merged. Although the looking glass was apparently one way, that Helen appeared to see the landscape far differently than the hundreds of people that watched her plane. So literally, this was so long, everybody was on the runway watching. Yeah. This is crazy. As she's circling around. Uh, while hallucinating, she might account that Helen's perspective, although unlikely, it doesn't explain why her and her plane vanished into the air. So I'm going to go over this a little bit. So she's radioing in, freaking out, like there's nothing down there. Right. The airport is freaking out, too, because they can see her. She's flying circles over top of them. And she's like, not responding. This island's not super big, so she's just going over. Like, she's apparently the, the uh, like latitude longitude on her plane is correct. She knows right where she's supposed to be. Okay. And she's like, there's nothing down there. There's nothing down there. There's nothing down there. They're shining these big, like, I don't know if you ever, have you ever seen the big reflector lights? Uh, probably. They're like I mean, the big spotlights they use at like movie theater premieres and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, the ones yeah. that hit the clouds. So that's what they're shining at her. Okay. They're going to be like, hey, we're right here. Right. Yeah. You should be able to see this. Hundreds of people gathered on these runways watching her fly in circles. Okay. She hit that she like flew into this big, this little black cloud and disappeared. Yeah, that... Completely. That is weird. Like, hundreds of people witnessed this. Yeah. Yeah. And then, no plane crash, no no more radio contact, no more radar signal. Gone. I mean, this explains, I think, all the plane disappearances in the Bermuda. I don't think it explains it. It's a part of the phenomena. Explains. Oh, yeah. Mystery solved. Living clouds. They've talked about them before. Yeah. They're just swallowing planes. They're just eating everything. What do you think of that? I mean, that's pretty crazy. It sounds like she went through... Well, like she was viewing the island in a different in a different timeline almost before it was timeline developed. Timeline or a whole different place. Uh, what do you mean, whole different place? No, she didn't see an island. She didn't see land. Oh, I thought she could see the island, but there's no place to land. There's no villages. There's no airport. There's nothing. No, there's nothing down there. There's nothing down there. Yeah, like there's nothing. Okay, so it's just open ocean to her. Yeah, I'm. Is uh, what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, but then there goes my theory. <laughs> See, I think she's just seeing ocean. Oh, okay. Or she may not even be seeing anything. She may be in the fog in her own head or in her own, wherever she's at. Yeah. She may be seeing that giant electric fog. Well, yeah, for sure. She's seeing something that the people on the ground aren't seeing because they can see Until her. Until the fog came into our reality and swept her away fully. Yeah. Bled through. Pull, finally pulled her through or maybe, I don't know. Either way, yeah, it's very odd and weird that they could see her, but she couldn't see them. Like, that's... Almost like there was a veil up over blocking her perspective from this reality, you know, and just seeing she's seeing some alternate dimension or she was in some alternate dimension. But it was the veil was still thin enough that that us on this guy, us on this side, the people, us being the people on the island could see her plane physically just flying around, circling around. So it's very odd. I mean, I'm trying to recall another scenario where we've, 
you know, people have seen other people in other dimensions, but they can't see us. I, I can't really recall anything. So the only the thing I kind of, well, not people exactly, but when we had Sean on the show. Yeah. Like that creature that they experienced didn't seem to be fully here or fully there. Right. It's just weird. Like it's like she, like, I think this is one of the really cool, not cool for her, uh, but examples I mean, of could, this phenomena. Could be cool for her. What I know. I don't. I guarantee get, wherever she ended up is not a good place. I don't know. Maybe maybe she got sucked through and then she saw a runway and it was like made of gold and people were greeting her and gave her... I'm sure it's full of giant flying manta rays that eat flesh. Mm, I think there's like freeze-dried s'mores there that she's she's got astronaut ice cream waiting for her. All the good stuff. See, I think she's... Uh, no. See, I think that's because you're a pessimist. No, I'm a realist. Mm, same thing. Same the, difference. When you fly through, the, in, the first thing you see is like a giant flying jellyfish. And you're like, oh, that's neat. Mm. And then this giant uh, air snake bites your plane in half and sucks out you. See, I think she landed like a giant ice cream cone full of like endless flavors of ice cream. So this next little <laughs> section may point to my theory I just said. Oh, about the giant? Just things like eating her? Eating people. Okay. That this may be a uh, a carnivorous phenomena. Mm. We're gonna talk about ghost ships. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what's it called on SpongeBob? Uh, the 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 that ghost that ghost pirate thing guy. No, that's a phantom ship. Oh, okay. No, ghost ships are a really common phenomena in the Bermuda Triangle. It's all common in the whole ocean, mm-hmm. but. A ghost ship is like they're extremely common in the Bermuda Triangle. Well, what's the difference between a ghost ship and a phantom ship? I'm going to tell you if you let me talk for a second. Well, then tell it already. A ghost ship is a ship that's found floating with no passengers or crew or anything like that, with no explainable oh, okay. reason why the crew has been abandoned. Okay. Most of the time, these ships are still in uh, in like, act like they're still you can still drive. drive them. Yeah, you can still drive them. It's not like that. It's like the people all disappeared. Not that the like the ship broke down or was sinking and then they got off. And then abandoned ship, yeah. And it's really common to be in a triangle. People find these like even this year. There's been like four or five of them found. Hmm. It's almost like the entire crew just disappeared, like abducted, or mm. like pirates went aboard and like stole all their stuff, threw them overboard, and then just they abandoned ship too. In such a sad way. There's no pirates in the Caribbean anymore. Hmm. That's what they make you want you to think. No, the, the Lushka took care of them. I don't know. That's why they make all them fancy movies that make you think. The last one explained why there's no more pirates. I didn't watch the last one. Exactly. I don't just... talk about history when you don't know. History. Oh, my gosh. Uh, now, we're going to talk about Harley Young's article with this really like modern ghost ship thing, and then we'll talk more about ghost ships. After. Okay. Chilling moment. Sailors come across a ghost ship near the Bermuda Triangle. Imagine thinking you and your crew were alone at sea only to stumble upon an eerily quiet ship near the triangle. As you get closer, you realize something is amiss. There's no one aboard. This is what happened to a pair of sailors from the Ocean Research Project whilst exploring the Atlantic Ocean. The crew made this discovery in the Bermuda Triangle in 2013, realizing the ship sailing wasn't up and the motor wasn't running. The The researchers became worried as there was no signs of anyone. Thinking that someone on the vessel may be hurt and in need of medical attention, the pair of yachters climbed aboard to look around. Team member Matt decided to film his exploration and seemingly discarded boat, confirming that this was one awful or awfully abandoned sailboat, a wolf found from the Irish Yacht Club. 
so that's the name of the boat. Okay. The wolf. No, sorry, the wolf hound. Okay. There is no one in. There is no idea what's inside. I'm going to go and search along and hope I don't find any dead bodies or anything crazy like that. He says. Matt admitted he was afraid to open the doors to the cabin in fear of what he might find. After scouring the boat from top to bottom, he said, "No dead bodies, thank God." This is absolutely crazy, by the way. 800 miles from Bermuda, 1,500 miles from the U.S., standing on a very nice Swan 48 in the middle of the ocean. Matt managed to get in touch with the boat's owners, who offered him a cash reward if he could tow it back to Bermuda. The parasailers hauled the abandoned boat about 50 miles by the second day. It's kind of funny, he says. 48 boat with a 42-foot boat. We're doing our best trying to get her to Bermuda, said Matt. Following a long 47 days out at sea, their boat began to run low on fuel, so they flagged a passing freight ship and convinced them to offload some gas their way. Unfortunately, the abandoned wolfhound vessel was had to be cut from the tow line after getting wrapped in the rudder, posing a dangerous risk and breaking off. Since sharing the video online... Loose have come to the conclusion that the vessel belonged to Alan, I'm not going to say his last name, a skipper of the Royal Irish Yacht Club who was traveling along with crewmates and was rescued by a Greek cargo ship 64 miles north of Bermuda. The wolfhound had suffered some damages caused by 20-foot waves and 50-knot winds. Alan and his crew set off the emergency beacon and abandoned the wolfhound at sea during their rescue mm. when it was found by Matt and his team nine, just nine weeks later. Now, we're going to talk about this, though, that the beacon should have still been on the ship if this is the same ship. Yeah. There's internet sleuths that say that this is who it belonged to. There's not a lot of correlate connections. Okay. I personally don't believe it. Yeah. I don't think this was whose boat this was. Well, they said they contacted the owners and said to tow it back, right? Yeah. How does that work? So whoever was probably, like, renting the boat was the people on the vessel. Okay. And the yacht club probably, like, Rents out to all these rich people. Right, yeah. Vacationers or enthusiasts, boating, mm-hmm. I don't know, recreational folk. That guy, some moolah in their pockets. But, uh, hmm. So they just, find, what, are you, what are you saying? There was no distress beacon on the ship? So, yeah, normally when a ship's abandoned, mm-hmm. like if they get rescued, they put a beacon on it so it can be found later or it's avoided if it ends up in the shipping lanes. Gotcha, Okay. Because the problem is, like, there's a, there's like a highway out in the ocean, right? The shipping yeah. lanes, the big cargo ships, and so things like that. Yeah, these big vessels that are abandoned, which happens regularly, uh, they have to put a beacon on them, and okay. most likely there would have been a beacon on it if it was the same ship, right? But there wasn't, right? And they even said that when the Allen and them were rescued, they put a distress beacon on the on the Wolfhound itself. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't on there, and it wasn't active when it was found nine weeks later. Hmm. I mean, it is a long time. Not for those distress beacons. They go for months, if not years. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. Like, they, it's like, uh, it's just basically, it just puts out a little, like, pulse. Yeah, I mean, what, what are the odds it got washed out, too? I don't know. I don't think it would have. Uh, to me, it's just, it's an abandoned ship, and somebody found one by a similar name, uh, like, 9,000 miles away, and was just like, yeah. Yep, it's this one. We found it. Cash reward, you say? Yes, this is the ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always that, too. Yeah. Yeah, we found it. Exactly. Paint as they got their paint out. Wolf but it's found. weird. The Bermuda Triangle does not like to give up anything. Yeah. So when they're trying to tow it back, they ran into so much trouble trying to tow the ship back. 
so it wasn't worth it anymore. Yeah, well, it got caught in the rudder, and yeah. they just cut it loose because it was going to destroy their boat, and they were going to end up out there with it. Yeah, screw that. But there's been all kinds of like divers like dying, like trying to bring back stuff from the bottom and stuff like that. The Bermuda Triangle does not give up anything. Right. It only takes. Hmm. So remember that when you're down there in Bermuda taking a seashell. It only takes. It will take you. <laughs> yeah. You might you get take, sucked into the seashell. You take a seashell, and like a wave comes up, grabs your dog, and drags it into the ocean. Gosh, that's frightening. It's a trade. Yeah, exactly. You you struck a deal. That's so. I, that was a forty nine foot ship. Okay, the one they found. <laughs> yeah. What if I wanted? That's pretty big. You want to hear about a really big ship? Okay. Is there a big cargo one that goes missing? Yeah. Or a shipping container? Yeah, I know a cargo ship. Dang. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Car a ship full of shipping containers. So a ghost ship lost before a hurricane near the Bermuda Triangle in two thousand eighteen has just washed ashore in Ireland wow. on that Storm Dennis, according to the Irish Coast Guard. The uh, Coast Guard helicopter spotted this cargo ship at Alta, stumbled upon the rocks on the southern Irish coast on Sunday. Uh, so this was articles from uh, 2020, though, so keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, the Alta was found near Bully Cotton in County Cork, in the Irish Coast Guard says. That's nearly six thousand kilometers away from where it was lost near just north of puerto rico 17 months wow. prior there was no one on board yep ghost ship yeah uh there was no one on board the so there's an image of it you guys can look it up they had washed up like you'd see it smashed against the rocks the spokesperson for the irish coast guard said it was quite uncommon for a lost ship to drip that or to drift that far uh a man named John, the manager of the Irish Royal Nation National Lifeboat Institute of Bally County, had a more colorful way of describing it. This is one in a million, he told the Irish examiner. It has all come the, all the way from the African coast, west of the Spanish coast, west of the English coast, to the end up on the Irish coast. I have never, ever seen anything abandoned like this before. So keep in mind, he's saying that if it was lost, because the way the jet stream works in the ocean, yeah. if it was lost in Puerto Rico... He went all the way down South America to the Arctic, or sorry, the Antarctic, back up the African coast, back up the English-Spanish coast, and crashed in Ireland. Right. It's so weird. And no one saw it prior to this. And it crossed hundreds of shipping lanes. Yeah. This is a cargo ship. They're gigantic. They're floating buildings. They're, they're bigger than floating buildings. That's pretty They're big. skyscrapers. That's a building. I know, but when you say building, people think of like a house. Oh, okay. A business. A big building. We're talking about skyscraper. Yeah. If you've never seen, I don't know if you've ever, if, any, if you've never been out in the ocean that see these things in person, like it's, I don't know, it's just so much bigger than you can even imagine. So the vessel was abandoned in October 2018, according to the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, the cargo ship was traveling from Greece to Haiti when it broke down some 2,200 or 2,200 kilometers southwest of Bermuda on September 19th, leaving all 10 crew members stranded on board. Mm. The crew was forced to ration their food and wait for help for almost 20 days. The U.S. Coast Guard said at this time it inevitably had enough food for two days and water for 15 days, but the Coast Guard airdropped supplies and the stranded individuals until the rescue ship could rescue them. Everyone was ultimately rescued safely ahead of the hurricane and was barreling towards them at this time. So they got stranded. The ship broke down. Yeah. The Coast Guard, like, there's little planes are flying overhead that can't help them, and is dropping food. 
I guess what else you can... I mean, it's better than nothing. As this monster storm yeah. is barreling towards you. Ah, here's some food. Like Godzilla running at you. Yeah, yeah. Here's a, a chicken sandwich. Nature. Yeah. Don't eat each other until we rescue you, please. So this is a 2.2... 2, uh, sorry. A little bit. 2 2 ton or 2,200 ton, 77 meter long boat spotted adrift on its way back to Africa. This boat made no sense of why it was floating. Our officials are worried it'll break loose the rocks and the diesel fuel will spill out onto the beach, causing environmental damage. The ghost ship has already survived the fabled Marina Triangle and Davy Jones Locker, but officials hope that it stay intact just a little longer so its pollution won't haunt them for years to come. So they couldn't, like, I don't know, I guess, how would you claim the ship? How would you get it or pull it up ashore to stop it? So what a lot of these ships get is, like, there's a couple ways. These ships that end up like this. Yeah. Uh, you can get environmentally scrubbed. There are compounds and chemicals that you can put in these vessels. Like, you scrub them, scrub them. And it'll eat up and make it, uh, like, soluble for the environment. Okay. All the chemi- dangerous chemicals. And then you just sink it. Hmm. Okay. Like, Wait, that's you pour what that, like, in the I fuel fished, tank or something? I fished a cargo ship in Florida. Oh, they just so they just sink them. They don't even try to pull them out. No, you can't. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. you can't. You know, you know these things, or you chop them up. Okay. There are like chop shops and stuff like that for these uh, these big vessels. Ocean chop shops. Kinda like yeah. that's what a lot of our like. I can't remember which historic ship just got chopped up for Ti- the U.S. Navy. Titanic. Yeah. Yeah, the Titanic. <laughs> or that little thing that went to save them. I think that's in a chop shop somewhere. Yeah. In the back, this it's in the back of the Smithsonian. That's horrible. They don't want anyone to see that ever. Quick again. joke. There was a guy that was like out fishing like the middle of the ocean uh-huh. he sees some debris floating by and it's a joke yeah it's a joke but he dives down it's like this white piece of plastic and he's holding he, he dives in the water around. he's like huh just some garbage and as he throws it it turns the other side and you can see it says seagate on it yeah i believe well it was, it was you know done what? as a skit i know and you know it wouldn't shock me if that actually showed up on the news and they ran with it oh yeah so this is going to be a longer episode we're going to try to do this in just two more, ep- like this episode and then one more. So we're going to take our ad break now. Uh, hopefully this is close to the middle. We never know. All right. We'll be back, guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're back. That's actually the sound the fog makes. Yeah, it just popped out of a portal. <laughs> so before we continue on, do you have anything about these? Like, there's hundreds of these ships. Uh, the first episode we talked about, there was kids that went missing while I was down there in Florida. From, yeah. Uh, from Jupiter, Florida. Yep. There's like that all the time. Like, mm. the boats are fine. They're just the people. The people are gone. I've even seen, like, YouTube videos you can find of where, where people will find ghost ships. or Hundreds. Abandoned. Yeah. But the Bermuda Triangle, it is, I can't remember, I looked up the number. The it Mecca? Is, 
like 3,000% more common. Mm, okay. It's some stupid number like that. Like, there, so yeah, it's just some correlation of this being a weird area. And most ghost ships are only one person normally when they go missing. Not a whole crew? Not a whole crew. Like, this has, like, dozens of... There were just two or three people in the boat. There's four or five people in the boat. So what happens on a normal ghost ship, it's a, normally a fishing vessel. Mm-hmm. It's normally somebody, like, falls off, and it's just the one guy in the boat, and he can't get back on board. Like I told you... That story in the last episode, I think it was, when I told you about that guy in Canada. Yeah. 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 Just like that. Yeah. So the weird thing with the Bermuda Triangle, it's like whole groups of people. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, to me, it's the fogs eating them or tentacles are ripping them off the boat or something crazy. They're abducted. Maybe, they're, maybe their mind and their consciousness gets sucked through an hmm. interdimensional portal that Then just, what happens to their bodies? It, it, well, they're part of, it pulls a whole organic vessel with them. Just the organic living things. Like things with sentient, you know, energy running through them. So these, you know, these hulls of these ships are just the shell that's left behind. So are you ready for phantom ships? Or do you want to talk about ghost ships more? I mean, I think everyone gets a good idea of ghost ships and what they are and how common they are in Bermuda. I think that's, or the Triangle area. That's that's the biggest takeaway from that section. It's happening. Um, and it's a common occurrence unfortunately but oh very common and it's you can find the documentation to confirm some of these accounts so okay let's talk about phantom ships okay now this is the one i was talking about with spongebob and that green what's yes. that guy's name i can't davy jones oh it is davy jones yes. oh, okay and the vessel no, that's the flying dutchman the flying dutchman that's what it is yeah <laughs> the uh excess cotopaxi okay that's what i'm gonna is one of the most renowned Bermuda Triangle disappearances. I think all of them state that. This is one of the most renowned Bermuda Triangle disappearances. There's over 2,000 ships have been missing in the last 300 years in the Bermuda Triangle. This one. This is the most renowned. Yeah. This one is, though. Sure. The ship, and it's 32 crew members, vanished without a trace en route to Cuba hmm. in 1925, which has given the raise to the legends of this phantom ship has even been recently sighted off the coast of Cuba. It has popped up in films like Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Ah, soft disclosure. The Cotopaxi, it was discovered on the other side of the world in the Gobi Desert, having been dropped there by aliens in the movie. Mm. Interesting. Mm. But now it seems the mystery of the Cotopaxi has been solved as marine biologist Michael has identified the known wreck as the missing ship. So they have all these wrecks. They know all these wrecks, but they don't know what ships they are. Because there's oh, okay. so many in the room. Like, especially like, like marine biologists, that's what they're diving for. You know, they're going to look for that. Okay. Now I have another ship for you that's even older. Okay. It's still seen to the state. So anyways, with the Cotopaxi, people see it. Still to this, yeah, this and day. People have seen it with like the green fog. Like there's this giant ship inside the green fog, and then they get close enough, they can read the Codepexy, the USS Codepexy on the side. And then what happens? Do they get even closer? Is it like just disappear? We or don't what? hear from those people. Oh, okay. It's they like, become the green fog. Maybe it's like a lure. Oh, okay. Like a giant anglerfish. The fog is using, like here's a ship, right? The, yeah. A previous victim. And it, what if it is the actual ship? It's and it's still luring them in. I don't know. So people have seen them like disappear when they don't get like. So this green fog, like the ship rolls in, they see this giant ship, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of, as it's going, disappears back like a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. Uh, there's even a more famous one. The legend has it that the Allen Austin, a ship that was sailing to Liverpool or from Liverpool to New York, encountered a ghost ship in the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, well, wait a minute. Something don't add up there. Hmm. 
Liverpool to New York, they they shouldn't cross the Bermuda, right? Nah, they shouldn't. It's probably because of shipping lanes and currents and stuff. Okay. I'm not a ship. I, I don't. I, I've never driven a boat on the ocean. I just sat on one. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so the Bermuda Triangle and things went uh, went awry very quickly. Okay. When Alan Austin approached the foggy waters of the Sargasso Sea, an area in the Atlantic Ocean that oh. overlaps with the Bermuda Triangle, really it overlaps with the Bermuda Triangle very extensively. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. A crew encountered a fully stocked abandoned ship. Seeing an opportunity to seize a valuable cargo, they sent some of their men in over to occupy the ship and sail the remaining journey side by side. But a wicked storm quickly separated the two ships. And when they were reunited days later, there wasn't a trace of the other crew in sight. So they disappeared on the ship, too. The ship was once more abandoned. Yeah. But left packed with valuable resources. So Captain of the Allen Austin tried boarding it again. But his crew members got aboard. The second time, a thick, blinding green fog rolled in and separated the ships once more. When the fog cleared, the ghost ship had completely vanished according to the stories and newspaper reports at the time. Wow, it really was like a lure. Uh, yeah, so this ship, you see this ship, it's packed with valuables cargo. Yeah. It's still, like, it's there. Uh, it's kind of in this green fog. They get over there. They start sailing it back. They get separated by the green fog. When they re-see the ship, the entire half of the crew is gone. Yeah. The one on that ship. Right, yeah. Then, uh, like, they're, they're, like, thinking, okay, let's just abandon this. Like, we're not, it's not worth it. Right. The captain being extremely greedy... Tried it again, and the same thing happened. And the same thing happened. Man, well, even worse. So, they well, the ship, f- yeah, the ship disappeared. too. Everything disappeared. But this, like, minutes after they get on the ship, the green fog envelops it, and, yeah. and, the, and the whole thing disappears. It is almost like something conscious is, uh, is in that green fog. That it's odd. It's scary. That a house of God looks like a facade for a train and death squats proclaiming jihad. I wonder if that green fog is only in the, over the ocean or something. Interesting theory. I wonder if it. Remember all that smoke, smoke, quote unquote. We oh, had? that's a different show. What if that had? What if? Uh, no, it all would have disappeared. I mean, some, if it was over the Midwest like that. But I, well, I'm curious though if there were any disappearances that happened. Uh, I mean, in, sure, but not like in this area. This is like everybody that goes in the green fog disappears. Oh well, yeah, I'm saying it used the whole smoke as a cover, and then the actual thing. Oh, yeah. Different show. You're right. Different show. All right. So we're going to change gears a little bit. Do you have anything to add, though, for phantom ships? These are, once again, very common. Those are the two kind of big ones. Everybody sees the Cotopexi. Yeah. Everybody sees this, like, cargo sailing sailing ship. It's sometimes mistaken as a pirate ship, but it's like a cargo sailing ship from the 1800s. Mm, Okay. But it's still seen to this day. Both of those ships are still seen to this day. So uh, there was a fisherman that had seen the Cotopexi. Like 2019. Oh wow! Okay. And they went the other way. Yeah, I was like the say, charter captain literally, like I think it was like a charter vessel, if I remember the story correctly. And the guys that were fishing were like, "That's a weird big ship over there." And the guy literally put down the motors and started leaving with the like the charter captain did. Yeah. The guys were like, "Where are we going? We're still fishing. We still have eight hours." And they're like, "Nope, nope, I've nope, seen, full refund." Read this story before. Like, yeah, I think, but I think there's a lot of those fishermen, all these boaters in the Bermuda Triangle that kind of. No, but don't talk about it. Like we talk about with Bigfoot. There's a lot of people that know. But they don't talk they about don't it. They don't talk about it. Yeah. Man. Yep. Yeah, so word of advice, if you see a 
odd looking ghostly with a gr- green cloud over it. Oh, looking the green ship. fog is not just with the ghost ships, but uh, yes. Uh, either way, if you see any of this stuff, if and you see you, green fog in your life, just avoid it. Right. It's it's like that. It's probably alive and it's hungry. Oh, it's like that. Cl- um, you ever seen the movie Spawn? The live action version of Spawn. Oh, well, there's that clown. You know the evil clown. Now. When he lets one rip, it's a green fog, and that stuff's mm. dangerous. So, same difference. What do you think our next subject's gonna be? Um, flying manta rays. Oh, so close. So so close. UFOs. Okay, I was close. Mm-hmm. Accounts of weird activity in the area were already being recorded way back during the days of explorer. Er, Exploration and early travel. Is this is now? In is this going to be expect? Oh, okay, sorry. Christopher Columbus wrote of a large fireball dropping out of the sky into the ocean during his journeys in this region in 1492. Mm, his first Columbus voyage. claimed that he saw what he saw caused his compass to malfunction and spin wildly. Now, why wasn't this in that song we had to sing in school? In 1492. A fireball crashed into the Atlantic and caused malfunctions in the compass. Yeah, you see? That rolls Good, right that, off the tongue. I was going to say it doesn't rhyme well. Wow, well, you just I think you misremember the lyrics. Gave blankets to the natives. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> Don't ever take a free blanket. A couple of UFOs were spotted on the horizon of the Bermuda Triangle back in 2014 by a passenger's aboard a cruise ship. The UFOs were described as being bright orange with lights that gradually dimmed and disappeared after a few minutes. So the UFOs in the Bermuda Triangle, I have tons and tons of stories we're going to go into. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy them. Because, but the UFO, specifically Miami, Puerto Rico, Cuba, uh, and the Bermuda, like all this area, has these weird, like fireballs. Okay. Now fireballs aren't uncommon UFOs across the world. Right. But there is a staggering availability of these stories in the Bermuda Triangle areas. Interesting, okay. There are always, like, fireballs, like these orange or yellow lights shooting across places, going to the ocean, rising up out of the ocean. But they're always, like, they're on fire. Huh. Like, like the... Uh, Including like, Christopher Columbus. Like those lights uh, uh, out in that river. Uh, oh, I can't remember the country now. But they always see, like, these fireballs coming up at a certain time of year. They'll come up out of the river, and everyone will hmm. watch the lights that... Fly up, and you know they were explained away as swamp gas. So this is ocean swamp gas. Mystery solved. Easy, <laughs> it, easy. Ocean swamp gas. But they're not. All thinking, right, then I'll move on. Uh, yeah, move on. That's already solved. Before we get into some of these fireball accounts, what have I told you? There is on Google Earth. There is an actual picture of a UFO laying at the bottom of the ocean. Um, this isn't the uh, what the Bimini anomaly. What's the uh, Baltic Sea? Anomaly. The Baltic Sea anomaly. This yeah. isn't that. This is a giant, massive alien vessel apparently laying on the bottom of the ocean. I've looked at the pictures. Yeah. Uh, just type in that. Like, I'm, I'm not putting it in the show notes because I'm not that kind of man. <laughs> but uh, the Google Earth map. I just don't. Alien know. ship in the Bermuda Triangle. I don't know if I uh, have full credence in that. Um, I don't know. It, I just don't know if I believe that as much. It's weird. It's a weird shape. I'll tell you that. But, Yeah. I, I guess I don't. I just don't know how I feel about it. So the UFO expert claimed to have spotted a massive alien vessel underneath the ocean near the coast of Florida using Google Earth. According to experts, the vessel moved across a network of underwater roads within the Bermuda Triangle. So this uh, this thing has okay. not has been in several spots, but it's following like these channels. Oh, so it's been photographed more than once. Yeah, it's not it's moving just like around. a one-time anomaly. It's like a giant crustacean. That or maybe it is a, a vessel, like a 
transportation vessel. A living island. Or it could be that, too. Anyway, so they think this big vessel is moving around on its own roads. The object was located several miles off of the great Akabo Islands, and it has a very elongated shape. Using Google Earth's distance measurement tool, uh, they estimate the object is about 16 kilometers long. Mm, pretty big. Pretty big for being a man-made vessel. I don't think it's man-made. If, if I'm just saying. Aside from the object, uh, warnings. Uh, no, sorry. Aside from the object, warning also saw trails in the ocean. He referred to these trails as forming straight lines, as in underwater roads. He also speculated that it could have been long drag marks made by objects other than this unknown vessel millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. Although he noted that the object appears to be abandoned. He said it may have been moving and dragging itself across the ocean floor for millions of years now. He assumed the object was most likely an alien mining vessel. It was sent to Earth to explore its oceans and extract precious resources from the bottom of the ocean. Hmm. Interestingly enough, the object, as well as a long drag mark discovered, were all within the famous Bermuda Triangle. For years, the region has been referred to as the Devil's Triangle, as it has been a subject to debate along with scientific community and UFO enthusiasts due to its mysterious nature. So this object is massive, and it has tons. Like there's like you can follow its trail mm-hmm. that's been moving. Mm-hmm. Now there's the same phenomena with the uh, uh, the I think it's Nevada has the wandering rocks. Yeah, the wandering stone. Uh it's out west. I uh, it might be Nevada or Utah. And they think or- it's the wind doing it. Oh no, they they um explained what it is now supposedly. It's the it's when the uh what when it's in the winter when the ground like freezes or something like the the snow or whatever expands or the ice expands under it and kind of slowly just lifts the rocks ever so slightly. It just moves them like that. So it just slowly moves Little them. Little glaciers. Yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. Uh I could see it. I don't know though. I I don't know. That's what they explain as it is, but it, it it's very odd looking cuz it's just these stones and they got these definitely a long trail that they've created. But it's just a rock. Yeah. It's just weird to stumble across. What are the silicone based life forms and they just live for billions of years and they're just crawling really slowly? Slow. Yeah, I mean, I can't you can't I mean, look at starfish. If you're watch I mean, if you watch them closely, yeah, they can they're walking and they're moving, but if you don't, if you turn away for 5 minutes and look back, they moved. You don't really see it happening hmm. unless you're actively slowly I'm watching the slow movements. So they have this as a UFO because it's kind of like elongated square-ish. Mm-hmm. You know that? What's that rock, Muamua, that came through our solar system a couple years back? Yeah, the space rock. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's almost a, Actually, it's almost the exact same size and shape as that. Hmm. Now I just put that together in my own head. Huh. A Muamua is a bloop. Ha. <laughs> It's a traveling, space bloop, yeah. Traveling in between solar systems to find oceans. Looking for the... I don't know why it didn't stop then. Because was already, we already had one. Oh, okay. It's well, one. It's like three per planet. You think it would have known that already and like looking for a mate? Well, yeah. It, it, it sensed the female column, but the male scared it off. It ended uh, up in the triangle. So it's like, I'm out. Yeah, it's bigger. See in 42 light years. Yeah. No, so it's a that weird object. Sense. It's a weird object. It looks like it's almost like a track. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what are these tracks, then? Are they created by it? Are they ancient It seems highways? like it's, it's connected to this structure. What, what they want to call it, a rock outcropping, it's the ocean currents are creating, like, this drag, what, what appears to be a drag mark. Yeah. If it's actually moving, if it's something, maybe even, like, uh, some kind of reef that we don't understand yet, that it's kind of crawling, as in not really crawling, as in as one side dies, the other side grows kind of deal. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so it's I I could see what you mean there. Reefs do move like that mm-hmm. over you know millions of years, real slow. Yeah, but they do move like that as pieces die, other pieces grow. Now, and this one's been it's been photographed more than once, I guess, on yeah. satellite. Now, and with the time, some being people and the claims that claimed it has moved. Okay. Other people have claimed that it's just the way that the the different like photographing techniques and stuff like that, different angles yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what I feel about it. Uh, either way, it, it's an odd occurrence, but in this odd area, so it may play a part. It may just be a random anomaly that just happens to be there. I gotta put this in the front of the first episode of this. What's that? Every time you say odd, you gotta do a shot. Oh, it's bad. No, because it is. It's just all. It's all. No, I mean it's bad it, for anyone listening. Yeah, they'll there die. Will be, yes, you'll die of alcoholism. We will create alcoholics by this one episode or this season finale alone. Okay, you ready for more? Mm-hmm. Recent UFO activity. Oh, I don't like that whisper voice. Most recently, do you? I can't hear you. You're similar descriptions of UFO activity. No, you're too. I. This isn't good. Okay, more recently. Two UFO accounts appeared very similar descriptions to that of UFO witness Bruce German. That's the same guy, right? Yes. Okay. Followed his experience and following his experience. In March 2009 came reports of strange yellow lights in the sky over the Bermuda Triangle area. Witnesses would include air passengers as well as some naval cameras. Furthermore, the lights came out as a static feel to them. And they left a vortex that was clearly visible above in the clouds hours after they had disappeared. Oh, wow. Okay. So kind of like what they're basically saying is it's the same thing. They think it's the same thing Bruce seen from the outside. They're seeing it from the outside. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. That they see these orange staticky lights like flashing mm-hmm. and this vortex being left in the clouds as they're moving. Mm, okay. Just over six months later, in October two, nine, or in 2009, passengers on a uh, passenger cru- passengers on a passing cruise ship would report two orange-colored UFOs on the horizon of the Bermuda Triangle. Lights were extremely bright, appearing to grow in size as they brightened their, bright their glow. After several months, they began to minutes. persistently fade. Huh? After minutes, I'm hoping. Oh, moments. Sorry, what I said. Moments, months. I get too excited when I read. <laughs> Moments after moments, they begin to fade. In. Say they were watching this thing for a while. Well, yeah, the cruise ship parked there. Well, remember when the cruise ships were all stuck? Yeah, that's what they were watching this thing. Yeah, you know, like how scary would that be. You get stuck on a cruise ship, you're like, you're gonna be here for six months, and then you look out, and there's just these giant glowing balls coming. If I was out there for you're like any, ah, I, I the world wel- has ended. I would welcome them at that point. The world has ended. Anyway, so eventually fading away, the ship radar couldn't pick up anything in their vicinity. Perhaps it is interesting that these lights would fade gradually instead of vanishing in a flash or at great speed, as is often the case. A very similar incident also occurred in almost identical circumstances later in 2014. Whether the reason is for the Bermuda Triangle region, they continue today. Whether it is a natural phenomena or a doorway to a visiting world that would reportedly keep opening and closing, perhaps it's worth remembering how active Puerto Rico is who shares a point of the triangle in act- UFO activity. Remember when we did our Chupacabra oh, yeah. season opener this, this oh, past yeah. season? Uh, the weather no, no, no. the weather and the remains in the, around the watery depths of the Atlantic are those of ancient and legendary civilization of Atlantis. Only further unbiased studies will tell. And then you can move forward in putting together the pieces of the true jigsaw of human history. Mm, which is indeed a jigsaw. So, yeah, once more of these orange lights, and then also uh, 
a Bruce's encounter from the outside. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I always imagine, too, because I relate this to the Bigfoot story or to Bigfoot, too. Um, some people have claimed seeing Bigfoot, you know, using portals and whatnot. But they did describe it as an orange glow that opened up. And when they seen a Bigfoot actually come out, they it was glowing orange or it came out in like an orange ball of light. So it's it's just very similar to that. And then the one account I was thinking of that the guy saw, the Bigfoot itself went from this orange light into a Bigfoot form, but it was still that glowing orange hmm. tinge. But it just seems like with all this, and it just seems like that's that uh, a product of, you know, either traveling through portals or opening up portals. It's just this orange kind of sh- energy of light just seems to overlap so that's what makes sense to me it seems like to me that that this is portals opening and closing but where are they going where are they coming from what's creating them that's the major mystery i don't even know how to describe portals or like in our you know our terms of our own reality because i'd never stepped through one or even witnessed one but i don't even know what it even is at the end of the day is it a doorway to a new world or is it just like a electromagnetic phenomena we're witnessing it's just discharging energy i don't know anomalous phenomena exactly. and that could be that whatever ball lightning is yeah we're seeing a really exaggerated example of it and i do believe so ball lightning happens it's not lightning though like it's not what we traditionally what we call lightning yes. it's just this big ball of what appears Discharge. to be electricity i think they're mostly i think they're plasma yeah personally i think it's plasma and people have a hard time not understanding that they're more than three states of matter. Yeah. And people, because that's what you're taught in school. There's three. There's actually seven. Seven? Yes. Seven? Yeah. Some people say five. Some people say seven. I'm Try going with seven. Eight. That's from uh, Little Rascals. Nope. <laughs> What's your account number? So, uh, seven. So the, uh, the seventh state of matter is plasma, and the eighth state of matter is... <laughs> I thought it was uh, uh, element 115 or whatever. <laughs> no, so it's like... I it I think these are side effects, because these these like orange balls aren't like intelligent, aren't moving around like a lot of the other UFOs described mm-hmm. around the world. They're always there. Uh, now we talk about orbs, the smaller ones on the ground, like you're talking about with Bigfoot and stuff like that. Yeah, they seem to be more intelligent. Right. These ones are often like shooting kind of straight lines or just hanging out in the spot. Oh, I don't know. These seem like really extreme natural phenomenon to me that we don't understand. Just, and just But the whole paranormal world's natural phenomena we, we don't understand. We just don't understand, yeah. It just seems like it's, yeah, it's just focused energy in one a bi- spot. I really think it's like, well, even like you were saying, like a byproduct of these doors opening. Right, yeah. This energy discharge that happens, and this is what it, the form it takes. Or even like what they need to open up these portals from the other side or this side. It's using this energy, like whatever's creating it. Maybe it's advanced tech. I don't know, but... It's definitely a byproduct of, a, I guess I would only could only describe it as a portal opening to a different quote unquote world or just a different plane of existence, a different something, whatever this paranormal side of stuff is. It's a, it's a doorway to that. A doorway. Do you want some more UFO encounters? Sure. Is it is it exclusively UFOs or any USOs in this too? So, like, a lot of these are seen going in the ocean and stuff like that. The USO encounters were a little harder to find. There's a lot around Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, we covered that pretty extensively, though, in our Puerto Rican chupacabra. Right, right. Yeah. Like, there's a lot around U.S. Like, 
We'll get back to it. We'll okay. get back to it. All right. Because there's some stuff with the underwater cavern system in the Bermuda Triangle that we're going to cover later. Oh, yeah. We talked about the holes already, so. The holes. But, okay. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There literally is. A bunch of them. With and they're full of UFOs and the government. And bloops. Yeah, they don't live in the hole. Same difference. What? It's the government. The bloops a government creature. No. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm, the bloops above it. Oh, we'll see. Bloop actually runs the shadow government. Wait till you flip up its tail and see its patent number. <laughs> then you'll Doesn't see. Doesn't have a tail. You'll see. Just has legs. One of them. A bunch, bunch of little tiny legs. Some flap. There's a flap on it you lift, and there's the patent number. Mm, mm. All right, another UFO. Two, or this was 3-6-2023, oh. Miami, Florida. So this is uh, from the uh, UFO reporting website. Okay. I just pulled a couple from like from my from the Bermuda Triangle area. Very recent. Uh, durations around three minutes. Characteristics: they were lights on the object. There was an aura or a haze around the object. The object emitted other objects, and the objects changed color. Okay. I was on a plane on my way home, and all of a sudden, the, the plane gains crazy acceleration, and I see out my window three floating discs. We were on the plane on our way back, our way to Flor- our, our Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I am aware that whenever a plane is about to land, they go a little south to the ocean to make the turn. First thing that felt odd was that the plane w- or the plane went really far out. We were having a lot of turbulence, and people started to get kind of scared. At this point, I'm looking out the window, but I do not see anything since it's very cloudy, and we're still high in the sky. The turbulence continues, and then the plane continues da- or comes down to the sky or where the sky is clear pitch black and at this time at this moment is 11 th- or 11:53 p.m. I notice the plane out of nowhere starts to accelerate tremendously. Hmm. I've never seen a plane do that or go that fast before. Specifically with uh, as we were about to land. Anyway, I see people are recording and looking out the windows so I do the same. When I look outside, I see five bright discs. But they end or at the end only three stayed. They were very close to the plane. I would have guessed less than 100 meters away. I could see them so clearly. The colors they had. One of them had a bright orange and red light, a bright, bright orange kind of red light. And the other one was kind of blue. And the other ones kept their lights on or kept turning their lights on and off. Just the cool white color. They started to fly by the plane, it seems. They could move so fast, effortly, effortlessly. Uh, and <laughs> the plane was going at a very, very high speed. I start, or I stared at them in for maybe two minutes and started recording. After we got out of the pitch black place, apparently we used to see some city lights and they disappeared and the plane was still going super fast. Plane never stopped or slowed down whenever we landed, so it thinks it was trying to scrape or thinks it was trying to scrape it. Okay. So yeah, they were getting chased, like the plane was getting chased by these UFOs. And the, and the plane itself kept going faster. Yeah. Just as they were getting ready to land, land right? Yeah. It sounds like that uh that one Tesla car that the guy just went to park and then it just accelerated on its own and went full like 120 miles an hour down the residential street and hurt a bunch of people. It's just same. And maybe it's a Tesla plane. Different show. <laughs> that that's that's a real thing that happened. Now I include this one is incredibly short. <laughs> This next one, but I included it because of one of my encounters that I may have not shared on the show. I think I've shared it, but maybe not. This was uh, 4-12-2020, Miami, Florida. 
Shape was constantly changing. Duration, 30 seconds. Characteristics, there was an aura or haze around the object. That's one of their little slide bars. That's why you see it like it's written the same way every time. What do you mean? Like when you report your encounter. Yeah. That's one of the things, like an aura or a haze around the object. Oh, gotcha. Because you see that commonly reported. Yeah. It's because it's one of their little slide bars. Like something, like a checklist. Yeah. 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 It was a red-orange fireball over Miami. Okay. The red-orange fireball changing shapes to that of a boomerang after a few seconds abruptly disappearing, shooting all around over top of Miami. Hmm. It disappeared over the ocean. Hmm. So when I was in, I told, I know I've told this story. Me and Nick were in Arkansas in the swamps, like pitch black, middle of night. There's no light pollution. We were just, we turned off the boat looking at the stars. And this giant, almost like, it looked like a melting orange boomerang came shooting across the sky. And we watched it go all the way across the sky real slow until it disappeared over like the horizon. And we're like, all right, well, we're leaving. Yeah. You should have called it in. Like called it like to land to you. No, thank you. Like we're in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. Nice to see you up there. Um, the, so this one just dis- so it's very similar to that what you saw. It sounds yeah. like yeah. That first one also reminds me of the uh, you ever see? I don't know if they're real, but it looked like a, it was a promo video for something that come from Amazon where they have like the big mothership that releases all those drones out of it, and then they deliver all that weird stuff. Oh yeah, which sounds absolutely frightening to me. Well, that was a blimp. Yeah, it was a blimp. That's what it was. That's kind of what it kind of reminded me of. Blimps are super slow. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I just, it's just, it had that feel in my mind of just like a, mo- a mothership kind of, fl- and then having all these things come out of it. That first one, I don't know. Now, what if I told you that it's kind of weird that we haven't really brought up the U.S. government much yet? Not yet. I'm sure it's Besides coming. their ships disappearing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, nothing that they've done or are actively doing. I've said the Andros Island several times already. Mm-hmm. What if I told you there's a massive military base on the Andros Islands? Why am I not surprised? Now, this is the famous military base. We're going to talk all about the base here in a second. This is the famous base that uh, I can't remember if it was. It was one of the shows that didn't last very long, like one of the paranormal conspiracy shows. Ghost Brothers? No, not like that. Like, oh. Like, they went to this base. It may have been, a, what's his name, the ex-governor. Ex-governor. That yelled at Plum Island. Oh, Jesse Ventura? It may have been with Jesse Ventura's show. Okay. Because they go to this base, and they were supposed to be able to get on very similar thing, and then at the day of, they, they don't allow them. Hmm. But the weird thing with this base is there's tons and tons and tons of cables and tubes going into the ocean. Yeah, okay. Well, who knows what... Uh, experiments. And this base is commonly, and it may not be this exact base for legal reasons. Let's just say that it's not this base for legal reasons. It's mm-hmm. not this base for legal reasons, mm-hmm. but maybe this base or a base similar in the same vicinity. Could, could be, but it's not. It's not. Has said that they don't have anything in the ocean. Like they don't have anything in the ocean. They don't have anything in the ocean. And literally, these people have like filmed in on these boats, like fall on these gigantic. Cables yeah. and tubes in pipes, and they just disappear off the drop off. Uh, they're internet cables, duh. They may be, but they said there's not even that. Like, there's nothing, there's not supposed to be anything. Yeah. So let's talk about the Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Center. Okay. A U.S. government base on the Andros Islands. It's a military base, U.S. Navy. Started in 1966 to present. The United States Navy's Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Center is a laboratory 
a laboratory that performs integrated three-dimensional hydrosphere aerosphere trajectory measurements converting the entire spectrum of the undersea simulation warfare mm, okay this does calibrations classifications detection and destruction its mission is to assist or assist in the establishment and maintenance or maintaining level ability of the united states through the testing evaluation and undersea research okay so they're not doing they got nothing out there but they have this here there so basically yeah it's like a three like yes Okay. Odd already. Another. Take a shot. Ooh, I'm going to die. Ew. The temporary task force performed by the AUTEC is testing and certifying the the, the proficiency of the U.S. Navy submarine captains and their crew, as well as the accuracy of their undersea weapons. The Sinograph facility includes three testing ranges, the weapon range, the acoustic range, and the... F-O-R-A-C-S range, all located in the tongue of the ocean, which is the tongue of the ocean. It's a deep ocean basin approximately 100 nautical miles long, 15 nautical miles wide, and the depth of a great as 6,000 feet. So it's basically like this giant underwater ocean plateau they're using for testing. Okay. It's kind of like a big like stadium. Yeah, it's kind of how I picture it in my head, too. They The main AUT... Uh, the main AUTEC support base and its downrange tracking station are on Andros Island in the Bahamas, just west of Nisa, about 180 nautical miles southwest of West Palm Beach, Florida. On July 23, 2020, Corporation PA, or PAE Applied Technologies received roughly three or $32.9 million for six more months of facility and range maintenance. And the range occupation support services, uh, yeah, they get a lot of money. They roughly receive $430 million for five years' worth of operations and maintenance. That's a lot of money. But they get extra money every once in a while for random things. Hmm. I wonder what for. Probably $4,000 worth of hammers. Keeping, and it's keeping those UFOs at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. We got to build a big net. <laughs> build a big net, put it over the bottom of the ocean, keep them down there. That'll definitely work. It works every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. We get one caught in the net. We blow it up. It may have been a whale, but we wanted to make sure it was dead. Uh, it's dead, all right. Uh, I mean, this, this, I don't, I'm not a great military man. Like, there's a lot of words in here I don't understand. Uh-huh. I, mean, I don't understand what the, this base, as far as I understand, is used for submarine testing. Right. So when I say they don't have anything, they don't have like an underwater base, is what they claim. That's what they claim. But they do, they have like, so the cables could be for sonographs and stuff like that. They basically train the test submarine captains and crews to hit targets, their acoustic abilities, all this stuff. Like it's a it's a safe it's like a stadium to make sure you're okay before you go out into the open ocean. Right, yeah. Hmm. Wonder what other kind of technology is on this base though, too. Well, the deep water range uh, lies roughly parallel to the east coast of Andros Island, the largest and most versatile of the A U T E C range. It is capable of tracking up to 36-inch water objects or 36-inch water objects simultaneously. The range is supported by the main base site, one, and various smaller site locations along the south along the east coast of Andrus Island. The sonar communications set in bi-directional mobile targets are emergency communication signals coverage while HU and other radio communications are available over the entire range. Did you just have a stroke? Yeah. 
I don't understand any of these words. They have the, some of the most uh, extreme in-air traffic or in-air tracking in the world. Hmm. Okay. In-air tracking? Mm-hmm. The so, in-air oh. tracking uh, is provided by radar and various other in-air tracking systems like LIDAR. I, I'm going to try to say this one. You okay. ready for this one? Oh, yeah. Hyperbolic in-air tracking system. Oh, I got it. It hits. The differential GPS systems are also used. Uh, these in-air systems cover the, the entire base weapon range, a distance of 500 nautical miles from Site 1, and as a, a height. Now, Jay, keep in mind I just what I've just said. Okay. They cover a height of up to 70,000 feet. That's like the whole atmosphere, right? Pretty much. I mean, not really, but yeah. Okay, it's a big chunk of the atmosphere. Yeah. That's a lot going up. Their surveillance radar operators are supported in air and surface systems. Their in-water tracking is also impeccable. These in-air water portions of the weapons range cover 500 square nautical miles. The range can be divided into two distinct tracking areas consisting of roughly 250 square nautical miles each. This flexibility allows the unique operations of two-dimensional involvement exercises using a total range to refer to as the weapons range while drive or di- while dividing the range into two distant portions the north section is referred to the weapons range north with the south portion is can you guess mm. referred to the weapons range south south oops real creative electronic warfare threat simulations electronic warfare threat simulations is a real time system that can generate complex dynamic electromagnetic signals in the environment radio frequency levels with this system the AUTEC offers capability or compatibilities to test different platforms receiving in open air over the water capabilities the system consists of radar simulations uh, pestle and control antennas high-powered amplifiers collaboration equipment and operational uh, workstations the system is housed in the air-conditioned Redome and located seventy four feet. Uh, it located in the seventy four feet tower. Okay, so they got uh, the ability to manipulate radio waves and things like that, or just send, what? What's what's this thing do again? I don't know. Uh, what well, sounds like it, it? It's messing with something like as far as so energy and wavelengths. Like it's got the, they've got the ability to uh, it generate. So basically, it's this is generating ghost targets. Yeah, a big chunk. That's weird. So as far as the ships with their radar and stuff like that, yeah, they're seeing targets. Yeah, and they're fighting things that aren't there. That's weird. Isn't that? Isn't that odd? Yeah, take a shot. <laughs> I said it's when you say it, not when I say it. Oh, okay. No, it's it's just crazy to me. And this base has is this it may or may not be the base that has all these cables going into the ocean. Yeah. Either way, now let's talk. Let's go all the way back episode two of this okay i know that's it's like last episode three hours ago though yeah as far as record time right we talked about the luska in the bergamia or in the bahamas where this base is mm-hmm. the bahamas are full of these underwater caves right the area maybe not the space but the base that has the cables going into the ocean is in these cave systems now if you remember in the bottom of the luska's holes most people report in recent times, since about the 60s, these big glowing lights and odd objects in the bottom of these cave systems. Okay. Now, did I tell you when this base was built? I don't think you did. Oh, I didn't? 
1966. About the same time the Blue Hole Lights started. Hmm. Odd. I personally believe that the Lushka is a natural creature. Okay. And that it may have been pushed out to aggressive levels by somebody else building in its ancestral home. In its area, yeah. Which we've seen that countless times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And makes an animal much more aggressive when it's not in its normal habitat. Right. Or it feels uncomfortable. Yeah, when it feels threatened. When something else is in its habitat. Mm -hmm. Making changes. So these blue holes and the lights in the blue holes are seen all over the triangle area. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, what if somebody had the ability to pump a whole bunch of power, fresh water, and electricity down into this massive limestone cave system that goes all over the Bermuda Triangle and into mainland Florida and into islands like Cuba, for example. And probably other oh all the islands, islands but I'm just saying like the, with secret tunnels going into it. It's basically that, and they go all like Puerto Rico's full of these islands. Like Puerto Rico's hollow. Yeah. We talked about you know remember. It's so it's funny that we started in Puerto Rico this season and we're ending in Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico this yeah. season. Even the Cayman Islands, I think, are down in that area. Oh yeah, no, and, there's tons, there's, and there's they're still being like dug out today. There's cave systems are everywhere. Yeah. So if you were let's say a organized, uh group with unlimited funding let's say roughly 450 million dollars every couple of years which ain't plus plus nothing big pockets i'm not seeing anything yeah. with any in particular group let's say you were and you had pumped air fresh water electricity and building supplies down to these cavern systems yeah you could build whatever you wanted down there oh yeah i mean you ever seen the game subnautica if that ain't soft disclosure it's not. It's you don't know. I do know actually. Maybe they got these ideas. So what do you think about all this stuff? Real with the military things. base. I mean, if you got if you got power down there, I mean, and we got the ships, the vessels to get down there, which I believe we do. It's, it's not that deep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then. We're not talking Titanic depth. You know, we're talking like half. Yeah. If not a third. Mm-hmm. Like the the most military, like the the six thousand feet, most military submarines can operate at fine. Right. Yeah. So we're not like, and the most of these caves are much shallower than that. I mean, if the, if there's space and we have the means to be there, we're probably going to be there, especially having a military base hovering right over it. Was there anything happening in the 60s with Cuba? Um, I'm pretty sure that's when they tried to stage the Bay of Pigs invasion, and that's when uh, wouldn't it, JFK was like, no. Wouldn't it be kind of beneficial to put a government base underneath that island? Oh, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. In case, like, they actually had the nukes and they were waving them at us. Yeah. And then, like, literally out of all these little holes, like, the U.S. military just pops up out of, like, yeah, you're not doing this. Right. And they could blame it on, Imagine like, if you were aliens. Castro and you were, like, getting ready to launch the nuke and literally all these little holes on your island, U.S. Army guys just start pouring out, out of. Yeah. Or, just, like, little drone ships come flying out well, of Well, this them. was keeping in the 60s. They st- we still had it. We could blame it on aliens and they would believe it. They would have no idea. Drones? Why not? I don't think we had drones in the '60s. Why not? I just don't think. But what you 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 say statements all the time. You have no basis on. But but what for what reason? Why would we not have that technology? I mean, I just we, don't think we developed it yet. Like the same reason we didn't the, have. Uh, the military is like what is it? Sixty to hundred years advanced? No, two hundred years advanced technology. <laughs> yeah, twenty to thirty. I think it's sixty. I don't think it's sixty. And that's if 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 it's that's the case. I mean, there's 
drones. Yeah, easy. I think it's 30, or it was 30, and I think it gets smaller because of how fast technology advances anyways now. I think technology is advancing so fast because we already got it, and they're trying to roll it out to control us faster. Dead internet theory. That's Okay. That'll be later, season four. Yeah, let's back on okay, back on task. So, what do you think about this government base, though? Oh, one hundred percent, believe it. I believe. I mean, it. it's a real government base, but yeah. what do you think it's doing? Like, I what believe. Do you think? I believe they're, we're probably down in those holes. We're probably down. And I know I'm not a military guy, and I don't know much about submarines and stuff like that. So, if anybody, it's a listener, has more information for this topic, yeah. specifically, let us know. Comment and ex- unless it's stuff us. we're not allowed to know, then don't tell us. No, you can tell us. No, do not tell me. You, I'll give you Jay's phone number. No, don't, don't do that. But you can send it to our email, and then I'll read no, it. No, don't don't send it to the email. I oh. will if you just say you have government secrets, and I will give you Jay's phone number. You talk to him send, directly. Send it to me email, and then I'll read it out loud on the show. That's all good. Oh. All anonymous. We're an outlet for truth. No, so that's just, okay. I'll, we'll take our shell check. Uh, I'm a, I'm a vessel. I'll of take truth. some of that black budget. I'm a vessel of truth. I just have to. If if they come to me, we have to spread the message. Mm. Mm. All right. Is that it for government base? It's real. They're, we're down there. We're down there doing weird stuff. But what do you think? That, do you think this is anything related with the UFOs, like in the sea monsters and the disappearances? How about the disappearances? Uh, yeah, I think it all factors in. Do you think, though, the base was built? So keep in mind, the disappearances go all the way back. You know, we were talking about UFOs seen in the 1400s. Right, yeah. No, I think we built after. I think. Hey, study, I do you think this is like a labs to study the phenomena? It's kind of like a. Uh, what's the Uinta Basin like where we got, you know? Yeah, well, we we talk about this all the time that they build government bases on top of anomalous areas weird, on purpose. Yeah, exactly. To study them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this is something like that. Like they knew this is a spot and they're taking advantage of whatever is naturally going on there. And whatever they're experimenting or testing or, I don't know, recording, all that stuff, I'm sure that's why that government base is specifically in that location. Do you think they're trying to suppress the phenomena, or do you think they're just making it angry by being there? Hmm. Uh, I don't think I don't think they can suppress, uh, just in my opinion, but I bet you they're trying to figure out how it works so they can you know, oh, sure. en- engineer their own sort of phenomena-creating devices or experiments or just being able to control the phenomena or use the phenomena in some way or another. Hmm. That would be my guess sure. is why they're doing it. Like use it to create weather machines. Who knows? Interesting. Now we covered it earlier. We're going to go back to the electric fog. Okay. Yes. Do you have any thoughts before I read my little blurbs? Well, um, I just thought of it as, one of two things, an organic being that just kind of lives in this area that feeds off whatever energy is in this area. It just kind of, that's how it lived. And it's lived here for who knows, like countless, countless generations and years. I mean, and maybe it's just developed. I mean, it, it could be a creature that lives thousands of years for all we know. And it's just this particular area is the perfect environment for it to thrive and it might just be living off like the electrical, you know, electro or electromagnetic anomalies in this area that it produces naturally. So it could just be a being that's feeding off it. It's just this is its home turf, and it just envelops organic matter carnivorously, like you said earlier, and chewing them up. I don't know. So that, that's a theory. Uh, there's also Bruce. He did all this research. Um, I don't think that, like I said earlier, I don't think that book ever got published, mm-hmm. which makes you think. He took the check. Or he wasn't allowed. 
Well, right, yeah. He may have, uh, yeah, because he survived the triangle. Is he going to really test the powers to be that say you're not allowed to do stuff? Hmm. I guess probably like, not. Yeah, I've already survived one pretty much guaranteed death sentence. Yeah. I'm probably used up all my luck. Yeah. But no, so there's, like I said, this green fog, this green black fog. It's really, it's hard to, you know, it's been described as really dark green, light green, black. So Bruce, you know, this tunnel forms and he gets out and other people have seen this tunnel form from the outside on different accounts and okay. like this stuff. And then the cloud that ate the lady. Right. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Harley. The one flying over the yeah, Tusk the, Islands. The Tusk Islands. Yeah. So there's like several things with this fog. Like you just said, is this fog almost like an entity? As in, it may not be intelligent. It may just be a thing that lives. Right. It may just be like any other animal. Who knows? It may live in the caves underneath the island. And for all we know, it could be the same thing as a lushka in its powdered form. Like a bunch of little... Powdered form. And it could be stuff like... Have you ever heard of sea piranhas? Sea piranhas? Yeah. I mean, I've heard of piranhas. They're little isopods. Okay. And they live in like tidal pools and stuff like that. And the second anything alive stops moving, they start ripping it apart. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Atmospheric sea piranhas. Or they live in the ocean and they just fly up to grab you or they come onto the boat and eat you. Hmm. And they look like a green fog because Hmm. they're little isopod bugs. Yeah. Uh, You can't rule that out. Why not? No, so this this green fog, like, with Bruce's encounter, you know, we look, I keep going back to that because it's the best one. Right, yeah. Uh, I'm sure Harley's would have been better if she survived. If she was able to tell it, yeah. But people disappear in this fog. It's fog has ships in it. This fog, to me, seems more like a shadow person thing Hmm. to where it is. It's just the representation of the phenomena. I don't think personally that I I don't I go back and forth. I don't think it's alive. I don't think it's the actual phenomena. I think it's whatever's happening, whether you're interventionally shifting, the doors are opening. I was saying it's it's the doorway. It's your brain rationalizing what it's seeing. You can't you can't can't see all the wavelengths it's producing. You can't see. So your brain's like trying to tell you, like, there's something happening. And that's why these lights are appearing that aren't lights. Mm-hmm. They're hard to explain. These fireballs of plasma are being shot across the sky. Right, yeah. Well, I also wonder, too, if the same phenomena happened not in the app, like it just happened on ground level or even underwater, if it would appear the same way, you know, as a cloud or, or if it would gather, like, water and make, like, a tube with electricity flying. You know what I mean? I don't know. So, like, the Lushka is most of the time, like, it's been described as, like, a big black shape under the boat. Mm-hmm. The same as, uh, we didn't cover this, but the Black Devil which is a big shark, like old Hitler, uh, that has been seen as like a black cloud under ships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. It could be. Yeah, I, It could be its whole, like a whole phenomena. Like it's actually this cloud itself. Hmm, gotcha. Okay. Like, uh, what was that? <sighs> Lost. Oh, okay. Lost had the fog monster that ate people. That <sighs> sounded like a machine. Soft disclosure. Whoa, that Whoa. was loud. That was the sound of that monster. Jay getting shot. Yeah. New Jay just came in. <laughs> Replacement. But I don't I don't know. It's just this new it's always there. The green fog is always there. Yeah, it's reoccurring. Uh, it's like a staple mm-hmm. down there. It's a resident. That's pretty much all I had for the green fog. It's just something I wanted to revisit. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, but yeah, it could be actual organic living creature. And we talked about before, it could be like electric that lives on the electric, uh, what do we say? Uh you mentioned it, but in other the, episodes. the electromagnetic sphere. Yeah, like uh, creatures living in the electromagnetic sphere. Like I mean, they just might be creatures that live there that we just cannot perceive or understand. Oh, that's all we can perceive of it. And it's, it's just yeah. This then why would it be eating flesh? 
Uh, I mean, we don't know what it requires, I guess, for fuel or energy. I don't know. Uh, there may just be... Well, I mean, if we're electric beings, right? We got energy and electricity running through us. Maybe just eating that flesh, you're, it's absorbing that energy and feeding itself. And then spits it out in a, in a bundle of bones. <laughs> or squeezes, you know, rains blood. All right. So the last thing for this episode, and then the next episode will be the finale, where we talk about what's causing. Remember, guys, I've cracked the case. I know what it is. I keep, let's keep, you keep hinting at it, but I we'll know. See. I just know. We'll see. I'm gonna tear your theory apart one by one. Now you won't. You'll probably agree with me. <laughs> the theory. All right. So let's let's talk about Atlantis. Okay. Or some other ancient aquatic like what is it, Lemuria? There's all these. Yeah. Right. Right. An ancient civilization. You've probably heard. Of the mythical lost city of Atlantis. It was an ancient, highly advanced civilization that allegedly sank into the sea a very long time ago. Right? I'm trying to be George to like George Takai. Is that how you say it? No. I can't do his. This is by Shauna uh, appearing this uh, this article. You likely also heard the Pena Triangle, the area in the Atlantic Ocean off the southwest coast or southeast coast of Florida. Apparently, where planes, airships, or la la, where airplanes and ships are said to have vanished with no explanation, such mysteries have fueled the imaginations and theories for generations. Well, hang on for this tin foil hat theory because you might have you might be a connection here. National Geographic elaborates with the vet or la, with the philosopher Plato was first to tell the story of Atlantis in 360 B.C. Plato claimed that Atlantis had existed approximately 9,000 years ago or so before his time, and that the legend had gotten passed down via oral tradition of poets, priests, among others. According to Plato, the founder of uh, the founders were half-god, half-mortals. They built a utopia naval power based on a series of verdant, uh, concretical islands rich with precious metals, and all kinds of wildlife. The islands were said to center around Atlantis's beloved capital city. As with most civilizations that contain humans, Atlantis citizens once uh, impeccable moral or sorry impeccable moral code developedly or tremendously with their power grew. The Greek gods who had founded it in the first place had gotten so fed up with the inhabitants or rea reality show level of behavior they canceled the whole civilization by consuming it with earthquakes and fire so great that the islands sank into the ocean in a day and a night. Mm. But where exactly was Atlantis located? The depths of whom, you ask? Via the article in History.com, writer Ignatius Donnelly claimed that in, 1820, or in 1882 book, Atlantis, it was uh, the Atlantic Ocean, just before the entrance to the Straits of Gibraltar. In a, 50, a 1958 book, Charles Hagengood claimed that the uh, was actually in Antarctica. Another theory opposes that Atlantis was possibly in the Black Sea. There are many, many others for hours of rabbit hole to go down. But a Hold My Beer Award for Atlantean theories goes to Charles Burlitz, whose paranormal-based writings in the 1970s agreed with some earlier theories that Atlantis was in the Atlantic Ocean, but Burlitz claimed that it was lost or was located just off the Bermudas. Again, depending on who you ask, Bermudas are either not the point of the Bermuda, or the Bermudas are either not part of the Bermuda Triangle, or sorry, the Bahamas, not the Bermuda, the gotcha. Bahamas, okay, are not part of the Bermuda Triangle, 
or the triangle's borders widely differ depending on who you ask. Uh, Berlitz claimed that the Atlanteans had also been down by alleged ocean or taken down by alleged ocean vortex. So that's basically it. That it's that some people claim that Atlantis is in the Bermuda Triangle. Okay. And that it was it was sunken down. So like we talked about, there's this whole big chunk in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle that's a giant oceanic shelf. Okay. So let's say this giant island was in the middle on the shelf and it the shelf fell. Right. It has it has happened. It happened off the coast of Ireland and what was it? Dogland. Doggerland. Doggerland. Yeah. Either sh- either sh- fell or the ocean rose above it. I think the whole it. shelf fell. Like slipped off like, the edge. Literally, of the, the, like the shelf collapsed and, like you said, a day and a night it could just. Oh yeah. Everything would be gone. Oh yeah. And for the guys that are now on the new coastline, you look out to where there used to be hundreds of miles of land, and you look out and there's it's no water. It's just ocean now. Yeah. Like oh, God hated them. That's that would be the easiest explanation, um, and with all this, we don't we don't. I believe that Atlantis did exist, whether or not what Atlantis actually was. And when they say advanced, you know, civilization, they had indoor plumbing. I mean, it could mean that's c- always my big word thing with the advanced. When everybody says yeah. advanced civilization, like, no, what do you mean? Yeah, explain. It's, it, it's hard to say what you mean. And are we advanced now? Sure, but they could have been advanced. In way other ways, that sure. way, way more than we even are, that would dwarf what we're doing now. Uh, it's just hard to explain because I, I don't know. It's it's hard to wrap. There's so many factors that go into being what advanced. But then I just believe that Atlantis did, or the thought, the idea of an an ancient civilization did exist, and probably did sink into the ocean. But for what means, it's hard to say. But or sank or you know got destroyed. Either way, it's gone. It's all of its remnants are gone because the Earth will reclaim everything. I don't care how advanced anything is. The moment that we're not here, the Earth will immediately begin reclaiming everything, mm-hmm. and you won't even have a sign of what was even there unless it's made of natural like Earth material. Like the only thing I think that survived just about everything is the stones and stuff we find. From like remnants of buildings or whatnot. So if we can get under the ocean and see what's remnants could still be there after who knows uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. I don't know. I don't think anyone alive today truly knows unless you got access to ancient documents or I don't know some psychic that can traverse time and space and tell you the answers or show you the. Uh, maybe you go through one of these black cloud portals and you see I just think Atlantis. I think Atlantis was I, the theory, the thought of Atlantis probably existed because all these cultures talk about this ancient ocean faring race that was advanced yeah. for them. Yeah. I don't think it was, I don't think they had flying cars or nothing like that. I, it, it, it's hard. To I say think it. they were extremely well navigators. Yeah. I think they, they were advanced in that aspect that they took control of the whole oceans, this kind of global race. And well, let's just say we know like, uh, we know the Earth has its own natural energy, right? You know, and we we move through, uh, I'd say, burning a fossil, you know, combustion. That's basically our biggest right. form of locomotion or transportation when we're moving vast distances, or whether it's across land or sea or air, we're burning stuff. Um, I, I'm just imagining if we went down a different path or a different timeline that we know these natural energies occur, and if we were able to tap into them which i'm sure i think we can there's in my mind there's no reason that a civilization prior to us was able to do that and you know i think anything that's possible now was definitely possible any time in the past because everything's still here to do it the only difference now is 
we use technology to uh, gain these things or, you know, to make them happen. But, you know, even at the end of the day, our technology is just cheap plastic crap with circuit boards and whatnot. Now it is. Yeah. But that's to us is so advanced. I I just think everything was possible before, too. So if um, it was an advanced civilization that had access or it was smart enough, you know, and maybe they use their resources better and it wasn't all like based off greed or, you know, making money. If it was actually just to help uh, live life here on earth and advance uh, everybody's, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, path, a version of life or, you know, just elevated everybody and it wasn't focused on monetary gain or whatever we're focused on now. Uh, just say like a former lifetime, I don't know, everyone was more focused on advancing themselves like personally or and them, their brothers or like neighbors around them. And if the world just functioned on that alone, the pathway – if we did that from our origins, from our written history, uh, the, our pathway would be so much different than where we are now. And it, I don't know. So it's just – I don't even know kind of where this rambling rant is, is going to. And just saying like this stuff I think is possible. We just don't have any answers or explanations to talk about it or to put in the frame of mind uh, compared to our modern-day experience. I just think all this stuff is 100% possible. You can't rule it out, and I think it did exist and so um, to say, like, to have, now to tie this in with the Bermuda Triangle and all that, if Atlantis was in that area and let's say they did have some, uh, I don't know, big energy, like, accumulation devices or Crystalline just— Crystalline engines. Just something, yeah, something like that. If there's any remnant that's just left over and if it's a natural occurring phenomena, there's no reason why, like, these natural occurring weird things that are happening— could be could be a remnant from now, what Atlantis was. That's that's perfect. That is actually perfect. That's what we're getting to. Because that's going to be our segue into the next and final installment Ooh. of our season finale. Ooh. So all I will say is, let's say Atlantis was super advanced. I mean, like bordering space advanced. Okay. Like getting ready to have ships going out and a whole different like type of engine system, like we were just saying. Proton drives. Let's say that they did whatever they made God mad or the ocean collapsed around them or some yeah. kind of giant planetary thing happened. Yeah. Let's say that they disappeared as a race, but some of their technology survived. So if Atlantis is in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle, what if some kind of shield system or defense system got left on ah, all these thousands of years later? And every once in a while, it defends itself over what it thinks is a threat. Aha. Bum, bum, bum. Or if you watch the movie Atlantis, there's a giant mechanized leviathan. Bum, bum, bum. So in our next episode, it'll be the conclusion. All of what everybody thinks is causing it. And then at the very end, I'll what's, tell you what's, what's really, really causing it. <laughs> I have been the great and powerful mystery. And I've been the infamous Jay. And we'll catch you next time with the season finale. Finale. <gasps> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash CripsOfTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.